The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Until the start of the NFL season, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the POD cast, the pride of Detroit podcast available on all of your podcasting platforms live here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and highlights available on our YouTube page. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at pride of Detroit filling in for the adequate host, Chris Perfett, who will be back for our main season preview podcast recording Monday night, be on your podcast feed Tuesday night. You can find me at Detroit online on Twitter with me for this two man show, this two segment, two man show is our senior editor, is the rock god. I'm getting it right this time. Is at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan Matthews is here. How are we doing, buddy? Um, doing well, man. Peanut butter and jelly. Trammell and Whitaker. Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford. I could keep going on and on and on. <clears throat> but, uh, man, the season is right around the corner. It sure is. Six, six freaking days, Ryan. And we're going to have ourselves some Lions Chiefs action to kick off. Can you still believe the Lions and the Chiefs are starting the NFL season? The Lions are the one they are carrying the Olympic torch. They are lighting the final the final light, I guess, so to speak. Candle. Sure. Something. Torch. Yeah. Torch is fine. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. That's fine. Whatever. Who do you who would you want on the Lions to carry that torch to the final I was going to say final resting place, but it's not like dying. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, that's where I was kind of caught up to. Um, <laughs> man, I think the I think I would want Panay to light it because I think that was what I was would, I think after he would light it. He'd like rip he, open his shirt. Just Hulk, the Hulkamania <laughs> style. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know the one person I wouldn't want to see lighting that torch, though, is Chris Jones. True. He can stay at home. Yeah. And watch, he can... watch the opening ceremonies from his couch. Perfect. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On this episode, uh, our second one of the week, uh, we're going to take a more fuller look at the roster now that it has been, quote unquote, settled. The lines kind of made a little more tinkering. They they, they settled their their 17 man practice squad. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Brad Holmes's presser. And then we're just going to say kind of give us some overall thoughts on the roster, where where our comfort levels at at certain places. And then, like I said, on Monday night, we're going to be recording our season preview podcast. We're going to be making predictions. We're going to be talking about the entire season season expectations all that fun stuff but let's start with the latest roster news uh maybe the the, really the only move that they made to the 53 after it was quote-unquote finalized craig reynolds is back as we predicted here on the podcast julian o'quara is the corresponding move 
He goes to IR. We don't really need to talk Craig Reynolds because I think we both were pretty sure that was going to happen. Um, the Lions did sign Zonovan Jones and or Zonovan Knight. I keep calling him Zonovan, Zonovan Knight uh, to to fill out the practice squad. And we can talk about him in a little bit. But I think Julian is maybe more of the story here. Um, goes to IR, which means uh, he'll miss at least the first four games of the season. Ryan, I describe this as a, a little bit of a blessing in disguise for him because obviously the Lions kept seven edge defenders, including him to begin. I don't think they were going to carry seven healthy edge defenders on their roster. So do you think maybe it's true that this is like, all right, we're going to give Julian one more shot. Let's get him healthy. And then maybe in, in a month, if there's an open roster spot, he can, he can come on by if, if there isn't a roster spot. Is yeah, he gone? It, <laughs> it, it bought him time. Right. And, and yeah. I think for a guy who will be used situationally on defense, maybe at most, right? Like you can yeah. probably only expect Julian Aquara to play on passing downs. If he, plays a role on defense at all because i i think that this four week absence that he that he gets to you know take into the season it gives him time to get healthy right i think that's maybe the the most important thing because if he wasn't if he wasn't healthy and they didn't or you know he isn't healthy and if they didn't have the chance to stash him on ir very likely, like you said, Jeremy, I mean, they're not keeping that many edge defenders. They they have enough guys um, for everybody who didn't want to, you know, it, it, admit that James Houston was a guy who was still playing his way onto this roster, maybe all the way through the Carolina game, because he played an awful lot of snaps in that game. And and I, I sorry, I, I feel like we make every discussion about <laughs> Julian Okwara also about James Houston. We can stop, we can stop doing that. But yeah, I, Jeremy, I you think back to last year, right? And you think of Julian Okwara maybe at his peak and it was the bears game, right? I mean, he Mm -hmm. he makes a couple of big impact plays literally finishes the game when, when he sacks Justin Fields. Do you see him playing a a, a bigger role than just being that situational pass rusher? Can, can he be more than that? Unless the lions edge depth really just falls off a cliff. (laughs) I feel like we've been asking this question since Julian Okwara was drafted. And the fact that we're in year three or year four or whatever it is of it, and we still don't have the answer is the answer. No, and I don't think he can be that well-rounded player that I mean, if if we're badgering James Houston about not being that guy in year two, when he spent half the season on the practice squad, Julian O'Quar has been given more than enough opportunities to do that. And I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries and and that's an unfortunate reality of, of this game is sometimes injuries are going to derail your career is going to derail your uh, ability to development, but Julian Aquara has had more than enough opportunities to to do it, and I haven't seen it. And so I always thought he was the the, the odd guy out. Sorry, sorry, CJ Gardner Johnson. I know that's a triggering phrase, but um, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I I think I think the most likely scenarios with Julian is after he gets healthy, one of two things are going to happen. Assuming that there's not a roster spot open for him, they're going to cut him or they're going to trade him. And and I just it's it's going to be kind of a, a sad moment. And maybe, I mean, I, I think the the injury, the only way their injury wasn't a blessing in disguise for Julian O'Quar is if the Lions maybe, like maybe the Lions had a trade lined up. I, I'm not saying that they did, but I think we all recognized that Julian O'Quar was a trade candidate. There, I know there was rumors floating around the the Giants, I think, were, were floating out some rumors out there, and I could never substantiate them or not, but... um you know, once he got injured, like you, you can't trade an injured guy like that. It's, he's going to fail your physical and then blow it all up. So maybe, maybe that's part of the plan too. Maybe you, you put him on IR and you say, Hey, in four weeks, he's going to be healthy. Who wants him? Yeah. I mean, that, that very well could be the case. And, you know, I, I think maybe the lions kind of afford themselves this opportunity through Julian's injury to buy themselves a month. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a, a team in a month, their their edge rusher depth right. doesn't look so great, and right. and they they might come calling for Julian Okwara. So, yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it, it might be tough to find him on the active game day roster, yeah, at all this season, right? For sure, yeah. So, any uh, any other big surprises to the fifty three man roster as you look at it as a whole? Maybe in terms of construction, number of players they kept at a specific position, or anything like that stand out to you? Well, I mean, it, we we kind of dropped our jaws on on roster cuts night that they had, what, 29 defenders and 21 offensive players. Well, it's still 28, 22. <laughs> like, that's still kind of <laughs> yeah. crazy. 
Um, but I, I would say I'm I'm a little surprised that they didn't really do any tinkering. They didn't claim anybody, which I mean, maybe not that surprising. It it, it happens far less than than teams think. And when you're 18th in in priority waiver priority, you're you're not going to get a lot of guys fall to you. Um, but I guess I, I guess there, there's I, to me I'm a little surprised that there wasn't more tinkering. I don't was that surprising at all to you or. Re- I I almost want to bring in the Brad Holmes press conference a little bit because he said specifically like this wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, which was just like that's that's kind of surprising for you to say like and I don't think he was trying to throw shade at like the bottom half of the roster, but one of the things that that's interesting to me is that there are way more guys on this practice squad and and maybe we'll just jump to the conversation there, um, way more guys externally from the practice squad than, than I expected, because I felt like I could look at the Lions 90 man roster. I could give you 50 of the guys that were going to make the roster. And I could give you 15 of the guys that were going to make the practice squad. And in reality, it was like 10. And so I, I was a little bit surprised for them to kind of reach out. And and I don't know, was that, was that surprising at all to you? I don't, I don't think it was entirely surprising. I, I think maybe much was made of, of really, I don't want to say nothing because Starling Thomas's time here, right, is something that I think a lot of people bought into early on with good reason, though, right? I mean, the the play was good and he was, you know, uh, consistently, you know, repping in in the spots that he was. And even though Aaron Glenn all told us that none of that stuff really matters uh, and and lo and behold, it it didn't. And I, I think when you look at the way they constructed the practice squad, Maybe just the one thing that did kind of catch me off guard, even though we we had a feeling that the tinkering was going to happen with, hey, you know, Craig Reynolds is going to get um, released and they're going to put Julian on IR and and bring Craig back. Before that transaction happens, Zonovan Knight goes to the practice squad. And it's just one of those interesting things where it's like, well, I think a lot of people around Detroit maybe weren't so impressed with Craig Reynolds until they got to that final game. And some people were kind of clamoring for, Oh man, like the lions are going to look outside. Like, you know, kind of like you're alluding to like, Oh, they're going to pick up an offensive tackle off the market because man, not super impressed with Matt Nelson and Jermaine effetti has gone and running back kind of seemed like one of those other positions, right? Like, uh, you know, Craig Reynolds was healthy for, for some of it and and not healthy for, for, you know, another part of it. But I, I think just, the one thing I kind of want to come back to when, when you brought up the Brad Holmes presser was that idea of there's 28 defenders and there's 22 players on offense. Right. Yeah. And I think that that quote from his press conference today is really illustrative of maybe his idea of roster construction. It's like we you need depth on the defensive side of the ball because that that's probably where you're going to end up, you know, incurring some injuries and, you, and you're going to have to have some depth there for, for guys to step up. So I don't know if I'm entirely shocked by it, um, but I, I don't know. I, I did find it kind of interesting to hear Brad Holmes say that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I guess with the, the 28, 22 split stuff, it, it's also them saying, we're just going to keep the best guys. Like, Balance isn't that important to us if it means keeping around bad guys, which is which was the problem. I think everyone who tried to create a 53 man roster was running into is like, do I really have to keep a ninth offensive lineman? Do I really have to keep a sixth wide receiver or a a fourth running back? And Brad Holmes just told you, no, you don't like if you if if you're sacrificing one of these good defensive backs who finish the preseason strong or, or their defensive tackle depth or their edge depth. If you're sacrificing that for a bad offensive player, you're not doing a good job because not only to me is it, is it, you know, you might incur more injuries on defense, but there's also a lot more rotation on defense, right? You're rotating your offense, your defensive line, not your offensive line. You're rotating um, your, your secondary when you go to sub packages. Um, a lot and, more specialty players for sure. Right. Um, and, and there's a little bit of that on offense, right? Like you're, you're going to have wide receivers that come in and out of the field. You're going to have running backs that come in and out, but like you're stuck at quarterback, you're stuck at your, your offensive line. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's weird. Maybe it's a, a learning experience for us, you know, an analyst that are, that are trying to create 53 man rosters, like don't force an even roster if you don't have it. Um, because you could always with, and I think. I think the practice squad is almost underrated at this point because with the ease 
of elevating players without even subjecting them to waivers makes it so if you want offensive line depth that you don't currently have on the roster, add it to your practice squad and you're going to have that available to you on game day if you want it to be. Um, So it's, it's fascinating how it all kind of squared away, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it taught us a little bit something about Brad Holmes. And maybe, maybe this is a, a like, I haven't looked at other 53 man rosters, but I feel like maybe this is a, a trend and it's not like offense or defense. It's just, let's not be balanced. Let's make our talent dictate how many we're going to keep of each. Yeah, for sure. I, the, thinking back to the initial 53 man roster, though, there was one thing that just popped into my head in terms of surprises. And it was Emmanuel Mosley. And we talked about it a little yeah. bit with Eric and to see Emmanuel Mosley not start on pup and, and to see him, you know, ostensibly ready for the, the, the season opener, as Adam Schefter said, we, we don't really think that that is what's going to happen though. Right. Jeremy, like there, there's <laughs> going to be like an acclimation process. There's probably going to be some, some warm up to, to getting Emmanuel Mosley ready. Do you anticipate him being out there across from Cameron Sutton? <laughs> um, not not week one. Um, I'll read you what, what Dan Campbell said today. And I think some people read it as like, oh, he might actually have a chance to play. I didn't quite read into it that way, but it, it was certainly an optimistic remark from from Dan. He says um, he'll get his first w- work with all of us out there today and he'll get a little bit tomorrow. It's tough for me to say right now, but he's progressed well. It's a credit to him. He's put in a ton of work. He's a grinder. And what bodes well for him is he's smart. He's played the game and he's pretty instinctive. So he can, I think he's got to play catch up pretty fast. I, th- I think he's got a chance to catch up really fast. Does that mean this week? I don't know, but we'll take it. We'll just take it as it comes. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's an instinctive guy. He knows how to play the position. He has experience. So the mental part of the game, he'll catch up on very fast. But I think there is a physical component to this that is going to take a little bit of time, considering today, Friday night, was his first practice. So, no, I don't expect him out there in week one. Uh, but but I very much do believe week two is in, in play. Which is good. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's great. Awesome to have him there. And, and then all of a sudden, Jerry Jacobs becomes depth. And to have Probably. Jerry Jacobs at... Right. Yeah, probably. I, right? I, I'm sure there are Jerry Jacobs fans that are screaming at us right now. It's like, hey, we were promised this was going to be a competition. And maybe it is. But they also did spend six million dollars in free agency to get Emmanuel Mosley. And so I think Mosley is going to play at some point. I don't know if it's going to be a starting. I don't know if it's going to be maybe they sub package him to start. Um, maybe maybe there is going to be a competition that happens behind the scenes that we never get to see. Um, but I think I think their intentions it's hit for him to win that starting job sooner rather than later and, and that <clears throat> there's been precedent set with that right like in terms yeah. of jmo coming back from an acl sure. right yep we're going to bring him along slowly and i know it's a little bit of a different thing where you're comparing a guy who's a veteran like mosley versus a, a, a rookie like jmo but i i think that dan campbell probably believes in that acclimation process of getting your body not just physically ready but football ready yeah no question um, let's, let's talk a little practice squad, um, because there were some moves in there that, that scratch, that some people scratched their head at a little bit. And then uh, I want to talk a little bit about the new guys too, but let's start about the, the new guys that are not so new. And that is first David Blau. Let's just, yeah, let's talk David Blau, uh, because it, it became clear that the Lions are, were going to need a QB three somewhere, right? Um, obviously Hendon Hooker is not quite ready. They're keeping him on the NFI, which means he'll miss the first four weeks. Adrian Martinez does not return to the practice squad, which surprised some people. And those people were not at training camp because he was not a good quarterback at training camp. Uh, oh boy. I, I'm sorry. Like it was awesome that he had that game winning drive in what the, the first or the second preseason game, but I can tell first you game, yep. Adrian Martinez was not a very good quarterback and it is not surprising to me at all that he did not return. So they bring back, well, David Blau, uh, and certainly not uh, an inspiring choice to a lot of people. What was your first reaction, Ryan? And Fudge. Your now. <laughs> Fudge. Uh, no, I mean, there's a level of familiarity with David Blau, right? And yeah. I, I think that that at the QB three position. Just fine, right? Yeah. Like you have a guy who's familiar with being in Allen Park. He's been a part of the Detroit Lions for years. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really move the needle either way for me. It's QB three. And we know, Jeremy, right, that the Lions 
plan on at some point this season activating Hendon Hooker. Yeah. So David Blau, I think, is is a good guy to have in the room. Uh, I think he's proven that he is a, um, you know, a good guy to have. I, I I don't know if you can say much more than that, right? Like we've seen him play football and it is what it is. If the Lions ever have to rely on David Blau to play snaps in the regular season, oh my gosh. Yeah. Can I get capital fudge? Golly. Oh my golly. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my golly fudge. Um, something has gone awry, but I don't know. Like it, it, it's, it's much to do about nothing. Right. Jeremy, like yes. the lions have a QB two in Teddy Bridgewater. And that's where you can really draw the line for every NFL team to say, okay, past this point, you have a developmental guy, which lions have in hooker, or yeah. you have just, Another good guy in the room like David Blau. <laughs> well, I think the thing that people need to remember here is remember the end of Hard Knocks last year? Remember when David Blau, they they had they they cut David Blau because they wanted to bring Nate Sudfeld because they thought Nate Sudfeld was a better quarterback that could play in a pinch than David Blau. But they really wanted David Blau back on the practice squad. And Blau shunned him. He's like, eh, I want to try. There, there's a, a clear path to Minnesota. And we watched Dan Campbell talking to someone on the phone and he was just like, yeah, gee, like the Vikings. I'm like, I'm like, it's frustrating. There's a reason they want him back. And it's not because he plays the quarterback position. Well, if they thought David Blau was a great backup quarterback, they would have never signed Nate Sudfeld in the first place. That's true. Yeah. They like him because he's a, and, and, and Kentley Platty is a guy who talks about this all the time. Sometimes when you're talking about your backup quarterback, almost certainly when you're talking about your third string quarterback, you want a guy who is a good clipboard holder. And I say that in a positive way. I say that in as a guy who knows what he's talking about, knows the scheme, can break down film in ways that helps your starting quarterback. And they believe David Blau's that guy. They've talked about him as a future coach type of guy. And so that brings value to your team. And so Everyone flipping out that your third string quarterback who's on the practice squad is not going to be a good quarterback if he's ever forced to play. Yeah, you're right. But that's true of every single third string quarterback. If you want to be upset that he's not like this extremely mobile guy that helps you get ready for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I guess you you, you could quibble a little bit about that, but that's you have Teddy Bridgewater. You have you Teddy have to, Bridgewater. Sure. Um, he, he can still move around. Yeah. Jeremy, if you're going to get upset about anything, right, it's going to be Michael Badgley returning <laughs> to Detroit, right? A little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I I mean, there aren't great options out there. Like the, the one thing since we're transitioning to kicker talk out here, I want to get out at the top is there are a lot of teams searching for kick, kick, kickers, right? Like there's this carousel of, of kicker trades that happened this week because everyone is searching for that guy that they can trust. I don't want to turn this into a conversation from two years ago about how they should have kept a certain kicker that was, that has been perfectly fine his entire career because there's no point in that. Um, we got to move, turn the page here, but it is frustrating to be kind of just like stuck in mud here of just like, we're not even we're like, we're rerunning our, our kickers at this point. And it's not that Badgley is bad. It's not that Patterson's bad guys, but it's just, they're limited, right? Neither of them are long, long distance kickers. Neither of them are that reliable. They're okay. You know, they, they're going to give you 80 to 85% of their kicks, which is fine, but it's just, it's not that level of comfort we're used to at the kicker position. And even hearing both Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell be like, yeah, we know this guy can't kick beyond 83 yards, but we're beyond 53 yards. Uh, so we're, we, we'll just play to his strengths. So like they're just seeding the fact that, yeah, I guess we're just not going to make 55 yard field goals this year is such a <laughs> weird thing to just admit and be like, we're fine with that. I'm I'm like as team never kick, never punt. I'm not even OK with that. I want a kicker that I can at least have a little bit of faith in there. And I keep bringing it up over and over again. Late game situation. Sometimes you're going to have to kick a long field goal because you have one second on the clock and kicking a 50 some yard field goal is a better percentage than throwing a Hail Mary. And the Lions are just like, no, not interested. Yeah, it is tough. And man, if Brad Holmes, if he slid into home plate last year with the QB two position, <laughs> he is sliding into home plate yet again. I think the third base coach was telling him to hold and figure out something <laughs> on either the waiver wire or through a trade. But 
I, I'm right there with you, Jeremy. And I, we're not I don't think we're nitpicking because the the quote from Holmes today where he's like, well, you know, we we have a lot of trust in a veteran kicker like Riley because we know in crunch time. In high pressure situations, he's a dude. I feel like that's more of like as as a teacher, I I can identify when people are trying to boost people's <laughs> like egos or or like reassure them that they are good at something. I yes, like that that's a you know vow of confidence in Riley Patterson's ability. But I just saw him doink a crossbar on a kick that barely got there, just over fifty yards in in the Carolina game. And I know Holmes says, well, he can shrug it off and move on to the next thing. You can't shrug off the 54-yard field goal for the tie or for the win. Right. You know what I mean? Or at halftime as as a way to, you know, close the gap or maybe extend the lead. Those are high-pressure kicks. And if they're from distance, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Riley Patterson making that field goal. And I'll also call a little bit of BS on Brad Holmes because this idea that, like, he's this amazingly clutch kicker is based on a single season in which he he won a playoff game on what like a 38 yard field 30 goal? something yards yeah. yeah like okay all right like i understand I mean, it's a big kick it's, it's a, a big pressure kick. kick but it's also one that has what like a 98% make rate in the nfl like i need a little more evidence before i'm like oh this guy's got ice in his veins all right like <laughs> He he was also playing the Chargers, so it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy to like, you know, you know, Riley Patterson is going to make that kick because of the Chargers are going to charge. How about the ice in your veins of you're in a kicker battle? The the job is essentially yours. All you have to do is make an extra point at the end of the last preseason game. And you all right. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, audible, audible dong. <laughs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> that's my griping with the uh, the special teams segment of this podcast we're going to close out the first segment there when we come back we're going to talk about the brad holmes presser we're going to talk about some bigger picture things with the uh with the whole roster 53 man roster and and beyond but before we go to break i need to remind you guys that the pride of detroit podcast is brought to you by righteous felon craft jerky that's right it's a jerky that fuels your detroit lines it's inside allen park facility they eat it they love it it fuels them it it's there's there's grit inside of it. It is solidified grit. I know it's got a lot of protein, Jeremy, but I think we can verify it does have an awful lot of grit. It does. And and I'm not saying it's gritty. It 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 contains grit. Right. Just like you you can't see it on the nutrition label, but there is grit in every <laughs> meat stick, which <laughs> has how many grams of protein, Jeremy? Well, Ryan, each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each That's stick has eight. And trust me, if that's good enough for your Detroit Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Ryan, do you have it yet? I need to order some. Okay. But hopefully do. they're still in, in stock, but the, the ever popular, I keep forgetting the brand name of the turkey jerky. Foul Capone. Foul Capone. Go get it. Go run to the store now. And before you do, listen to the rest of this ad read because there's some important news coming right now. Because now until the end of the the, the end of the offseason, I should say, the start of the NFL season, which Ryan, as a reminder, is six freaking days away from now until Thursday. You can go to RighteousFelden.com and use the discount code POD20. At checkout for 20% off your order. That's POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. Again, until Thursday. Get it. If you've been on the fence before, you better do it now because that promo code is only going to last you six more days. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Go get you some grit. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. 
Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back here on the podcast, closing things out here on a two segment show. Uh, Before we get into our next topic here, I do want to just kind of run down our schedule for the upcoming week, because obviously we're on an irregular schedule with Thursday night game. Uh, Monday night, we'll be doing our live season preview show on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit. It'll be on the podcast on Tuesday, Tuesday night. We're going to be doing our first bite podcast, which if this is your first year with us, that is our preview podcast where we bring in a guest from the opposing side of the uh, line, I guess you could say. Uh, and then we'll be doing some version of post game shows, either the night of or the following day after. So be on the lookout for all of that. Join us at twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit set up alerts. So you won't miss a, a show. All right. On to the second segment here. We didn't really talk much about the Brad Holmes press conference. And I want to talk a little bit about the Brad Holmes press conference because I'm going to, I'm just going to share my biggest takeaway from it. And it's something that I thought was very interesting that that today's press conference felt different than any other Brad Holmes press conference. Usually when he talks, it's relatively shrug worthy. Doesn't say a lot. So it's not kind of the obvious stuff. It's fine. I get it. He's behind the scenes. Doesn't want to talk. Doesn't have to talk. Just kind of feeds you the lines. I have never seen a more in his own, like he was feeling himself today. He was a little like, yeah, you see that roster? That was me. I did that. And I know like he's, it almost feels like his baseline is I don't want to make a headline. But today when he was asked, what's his confidence level that the Lions win the NFC North this year? He just said, he just said it very high. Like he doesn't care if it's, if there are headlines all over that says Lions GM, very high confidence that they win the NFC North. Like that, that was a headline that I feel like he would be scared to, to have run in under his name. And he was just feeling it today. He's just like, yeah, no. I'm very high. Like, I, I think I think we, we can do this now. Of course, there, you know, if you go beyond that, he's he's saying all the right things, too. He's saying, like, listen, we still have to go out there and do it. But I think we have the right guys that know. Yes, the expectations are high, but we're going to go. We're still hungry. We're still we're still the hunters, I think, is what he he said in, in one of his quotes. Um, But then, like, even later, like, he's like, yeah, the expectations are high. We earned that. Like he said that he said the the expectations are earned, though. He's saying, like, I built this. This roster deserves high expectations because they're good, because we finished eight and two. And for me, that is something I've never seen of Brad Holmes. It's just like I did a good job. We followed the plan and now we're good. And there's something reassuring about a guy who is very close to the vest, a guy who avoids controversy coming out and saying, Look what we look what I did. Stop us now. And it's just like I want like that. That was not a Jonathan Gannon speech. I wanted to walk out of that press conference and and bust through the door. Oh, man. Hold on. That, that set me aside there for a second. <laughs> um, he's not a real human being. That's Michael Scott's tots all over again. <laughs> uh, here's the thing that I really liked about the Holmes press conference from this standpoint. I think that his confidence, Jeremy, I think that that is a statement to the rest of the team. Mm. I think that that kind of puts the team on notice to say like, yeah, I have great expectations for you guys because here's the one thing that was consistent throughout his press conference, Jeremy, when he talked about the players 
that are in the room. Hey, we have a lot of trust in, in Gilly, right? Stephen mm-hmm. Gilmore, that's a guy that, you know, we, we've seen it, right? I think that that has been consistent throughout the the glimpses and the and you know the the curtain getting peeled back a little bit when we see Brad Holmes talk about the the talent that he's acquired right like remember the uh first game against the Giants right mm-hmm. he's on there with Peter Schrager and the alternate broadcast Brian Branch absolutely blows up a play and he's like no we've seen that all camp <laughs> yep like, nothing new right like yeah. no like oh no I mean yeah that, that's who we know Brian to be yeah. right and it's like it's this assumed excellence. Yeah. I guess I'll call it like yeah. there's this idea that no, we're there. Yeah. We've gotten here. And I, I think Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of got the idea that like, we've been through some trials and tribulations, right? Like mm-hmm. we, like it's taken time to get here, but our process, we feel confident in the process that we have. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that idea that I, th- I think I think you're catching on to something that that's really true of this press conference and, and of Brad Holmes in general, where it's like everyone else on the outside is like, wow, look what the Lions did. Wow. What a surprise. They've turned things ar- around. And, and Brad Holmes is sitting here and be like, yeah, I, we knew this, this. This was the plan. Like, this is what we were doing. I had confidence in myself the entire time when we were 10 and one, when we were one and six, like I knew this was around the corner. So I like you guys are all surprised. I knew this was happening. I had a hold on this, y'all. Like we went through those trials and tribulations, and I like that he listed them off too. He's like, listen, we we coached the Super Bowl, we were on hard knocks, so we done all that. And then he's kind of like pointing in turn. It's like the players are gritty for going through all that, but we're gritty through that too. Like we we dealt with having to have Sheila Sheila Hamp come down and be like, everything's fine, guys. Relax. Things are about to turn around. And then literally overnight they did. And it's just like this whole thing of just th- this quiet confidence of just like, like he became the villain today. I, I've I've never really been that on board with the villain stuff. I think it's weird. I think, I think it's mysterious and maybe that's part of the, the it, but like today I felt like he embraced it for the first time where it's like, yeah, what are you guys going to do about it? We're we've arrived y'all. Yeah, that's great. I mean, well, speaking of the lions arriving and we talked about this a little bit, uh, in between segments here with our which are with our Twitch family, uh, the Lions' defensive depth. Yeah, how real is that, Ryan? I am scarily all in on this defense. Like it concerns me with how good I think this defense is, and part of it is you don't see a lot of like huge bottom five defense to top ten defense that doesn't happen a whole lot. I'm looking at this roster, Ryan. And, and there was another thing that Brad Holmes said too, that it, it just kind of clicked with me this off season too, where it's like their vision this off season was just to add a bunch of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously they did that, right? They, they spend a first round pick on your middle linebacker of the future. You, you, you spend a couple big free agency swings in the secondary, really three in the secondary, you get Brian branch, you trade up to get him. Those are four, five starters potentially right there. But the, in addition to that, and Brad Holmes mentioned this is like they also got guys that we had counted out or guys that didn't contribute last year that were, you know, they've been going through injury. They've been going through developmental things that, you know, they weren't that good last year, but now there's an expectation there. And Josh Pascal, he's like, that guy's been a menace in training camp. And he's right. Derek Barnes, a guy who we had all buried is like, eh, he's going to be a career special teamer. Suddenly is looking down the barrel of being a week one starter over your first round pick. And then Levi Onzerike, a guy who we've all just said, like, you know what? If we can even get a game out of the guy, this guy, it's more than I expected. And Brad Holmes is like, he's a, and Ray Agnew is just like, that guy's a disruptor. He's everything we expected to be. Nothing about who he is as a player is surprising. We knew he was going to be a disruptor. It had always been a question just about his health and now he's healthy. And so if you like, I just named five guys they had in the off season, three guys who, who were taking a developmental or health junk jump. That's eight guys, Ryan. And we're not even talking about the guy. Like they had two fantastic players in Aiden Hutchinson and Kirby Joseph last year. Now we're up to 10. 
I'm in on the Lions defensive depth, Ryan. Help help me. Talk me down. No. I don't want to do that. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna <laughs> this train is not coming to a stop. I do not need to check its cargo. I do not need to check its weight. It's fine. It's good with me. The thing about this Lions defense that has me so excited is what you mentioned at the end there, right? Like, hey, there's all these interesting pieces. And another name that you didn't even mention was Malcolm Rodriguez was a starter last year. Yeah. (laughs) Make no mistake, the Detroit Lions still love Malcolm Rodriguez. It's the fact that Derek Barnes has played up to this opportunity. Yes. Right. And I think that that's another thing that's been consistent about this regime is that the idea of earning your playing time. And that's why Jack Campbell plays three preseason games versus Brian Branch playing one. And I think that's something where a lot of people have to come to terms with the idea that maybe Jack Campbell is is here and there. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. he's used in in. I don't want to say situationally, because I feel like we might get more Jack Campbell than that, Jeremy, but like, don't you feel it's, it it almost seems like it's going to go. It's going to be part of like the game plan sauce, right? Like Jack Campbell really works here. Okay. And, and, and maybe early on because they played Jack Campbell for three games in the preseason, maybe just early on, it's like, okay, we're bringing this guy along. Right. And I guess to my point about Malcolm Rodriguez is this is a guy who everybody, everybody and their mother, and their sisters fell in love with Malcolm Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. The guy is going to be a special teams dynamo because remember all the plays he made on on punt coverage last year, right? Like that guy loves football. And it speaks to this roster that that Brad Holmes has has developed. And I I, I think that the, the point I'm trying to come back to is you name all those names and you didn't even say Aiden Hutchinson. And... Jeremy, we had podcasts where we had Deontay Lee from The Athletic and we had Danny Kelly from The Ringer. And we, we had so many people talk about, all right, is it Trayvon Walker? Is it Aiden Hutchinson? Is it Kayvon Thibodeau? I will tell you from being in camp and seeing Aiden Hutchinson for a couple of days against the Jaguars. I think, that, down. I think that guy's built now for year two. Mm-hmm. He looks bigger. He looks faster. And I think that if you see a second year jump from Hutch, edge, edge, edge talent is at a premium in this league, Jeremy. And yeah, what do the Lions have in spades? They got edge talent, man. Edge depth. We got to talk about John Kaminsky too, Ryan. People Otherwise, don't talk about him. I know he's going to show up on a milk curtain somewhere. <laughs> I to 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 talk it down a little bit here. Because, I mean, I got I got a wet blanket here a little bit. Like, there are a lot of moving parts, right? There, I just named five, six, seven guys that are either new or going to be assuming new roles or, or bigger roles. The chance that all of that works right away and they all meld together, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It took time for Kirby Joseph to find his feet. It took time for Aiden Hutchinson to find his feet. So, is Brian Branch going to light the world on fire week one? I don't know. Maybe. If he shuts down Jason Kelsey, then you guys can run around with your pants off all you want. Well, um, he'd have to shut down Travis Kelsey, not Jason. Sorry. Well, yeah, maybe he'll <laughs> shut down the podcast between those two. So both of them. <laughs> him and um, Mal- Malcolm Rodriguez will hip toss him again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it the we're we're looking at like the most optimistic point of view here right that that levi comes out and he's a terror and, and josh pascal doesn't go through any semi-rookie season ups and downs and and jack campbell and and brian Brown. like but to me the talent is there and the talent is still it's talent is young remember this was the youngest defensive roster in football last year and did they add a ton of you know veteran pieces i mean cameron sutton might be the oldest addition but even CJ Gardner Johnson still like 25. This is still a very young core and they're only yeah. going to get better as the season goes on. So I am all in on the defense. I'm I'm super excited about the defense. What about the offense though? Let's talk about best case, not not worst case, but best case and most concern 
that you have with a specific area of the offense. Like, I think that I can say the thing I feel the most confident about in this offense, again, comes back to the, not even acquisition, but the uh, the retaining of Ben Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to this offense, I am the most confident in its ability to scheme people open. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there is an element to the offense that is lost in terms of their personnel. I, I think they don't have a legit field stretcher, but there are ways you can finagle that. Like someone was asking, someone asked Brad Holmes today, or maybe it was Dan, I can't remember, about explosive plays. Like, how are you going to create explosive plays? You don't have DJ Chark. You don't have Jamison Williams. How are you going to create explosive plays? Well, the Lions do that not by Jared Goff's cannon arm. They do it with Yak. They do it with misdirection. They do it with, you know, certain route patterns that leaves a a guy like Khalif Raymond wide open. You know, you're not going to target Khalif Raymond deep a lot because if there's a safety on him, he's not going to catch a contested ball. But if you can scheme him open, which Ben Johnson has proven that he can, well, then you're going to be okay. Then you're going to find ways to create explosive plays. And that's actually what they did last year. Did I don't think Jared Goff was near the, the top 10 in, you know, average depth of target, yet they were a top five team in creating explosive plays. And guess what? They're also going to create explosive plays on the ground this year. And that to me, if you want to talk about confidence in the offense, it starts with the offensive line. It starts with their ability to create those explosive plays because that's early in the season. That's what the offense was actually about is explosive plays on the ground. And then you run into some injury with, with Deandre Swift and they have to kind of adjust on the fly and you run into some wide receiver injuries and you have to adjust on the fly. And then they got their footing again in, in November and just ran with it there. And, and again, I think that speaks to, to Ben Johnson running was the identity early in that season. It couldn't stay that way because they ran into offensive line and running back injuries. So they adjusted and they got better at finding ways to attack teams through the air. And they were the most efficient most number one efficient in terms of offensive passing plays in the second half of the season, according to uh, expected points added. So you're right. But Ben Johnson being back is ginormous. And I think he can compensate for some of the roster issues that you might have with the roster. Because I think, I think the one thing that people say with the Lions roster that they are concerned about is receiver, right? It's it's the fact that you have Amon Ross St. Brown and then you have a bunch of guys who are okay. No, no world breeders, no guys that defensive coordinators are, are staying up late at night trying to game plan for Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds, right? I'm not trying to be disrespectful to those guys because they're good in their own right, but they're not, they're not, you know, we got to double team this guy kind of guys, right? Right. Right. I, I want to ask you a question because I, I I absolutely love the football almanac that FTM put out from Aaron Chats, mm-hmm. um, which is just like required reading for anybody who just loves football. The Lions were fourth in the league last year and runs on second and long running the football on second and long. And I don't mean to hold your feet to the fire or ask you to get inside Ben Johnson's brain or you know, how aggressive or conservative Dan Campbell might be this year. Do you think that changes? Or do you think that they stick with that plan because they think that runs on second and long are going to still ultimately put them in position to convert a third down because, hey, David Montgomery can break tackles or, hey, if we get Jameer Gibbs, if, if we block it the right way, who cares about it being second and long because it's going to be six points on the board and then the PAT is coming up. No, they're, they're going to continue to do that. It's going to drive me a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. I don't love that they're one of the higher rates of second and long runs, but it fits their identity. It fits what they do well. And that, and that it's, it's not to me, that's not like, this is who, we, this is who I want us to be. It's, this is who we are. We have a bunch of guys that are good in short yardage situations. We have an offensive line that we think is really, really good, especially as run blockers. And we have backs that can break tackles. So I think that's more of a, this is, this is who our personnel matches. So yeah, we are going to stick with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. 
to be honest, just because, like you said, I think that this is a team that going back to the explosive plays dynamic, I think that this is a team that feels confident in their ability to chunk their way down the field. Yeah. Right. I, yep. I think that they feel very confident in their ability to not stretch the field vertically, but to stretch it horizontally. 100%. And, and, and if they can do that, then they can chunk their way down the field at a rate that other teams cannot sustain drives mm-hmm. in the way that they can, because yep. they think that, Hey, our front line, as you mentioned, they're better than the guys that you have there. Right. And they'll move them out of the way enough to get the next play in position to, keep the chains moving. So, I mean, I would be surprised to see the Lions offense probably this year to be like in the top five when it comes to total offensive plays, because I think that they will have long sustained drives. I think going back to last year and you look at, if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like at the beginning of last year when the Lions were struggling offensively, it was a lot of three and outs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're three and out problem was real and it was tangible. And I think that they've found a way to mitigate that because, Hey, we'll run the ball on first down. We might get to second and eight, but we'll run the ball again and it'll be third and five. We can do third and five. Yeah. Third and 10 and third and five are a big difference, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to call it there. I know we didn't get into necessarily the nitty gritty of, the the roster but i think we got an overall sense of what the roster is and how they're going to respond to it which i think is maybe even a more interesting discussion so we'll leave it at that uh as i said again make sure you join us monday night for the full season preview where we talk about predictions and all that fun stuff and then get ready y'all six days away from lions chiefs but for ryan i'm jeremy thank you all for listening it's chaos be kind